This is 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 the local music revolution the local music revolution local music revolution local music revolution Hello and welcome to the Local Music Revolution. I am your host, Ogre. How are you doing? On today's episode, we have a metal band out of Fresno, California called Omri Rising. When I say metal, and I'm talking about these guys, I'm really talking about the kind of metal I grew up on. The kind of metal like Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, that kind of metal. Because that kind of metal is awesome. I hear a ton of that influence in Omri Rising, and I'm very excited to bring you these guys because this band is great. These guys live and are based out of a town like 45 minutes away from me, and I still have not been able to see them live, and I feel like I have been robbed. To remedy that, we talk about the interview. So the interview contains a lot of great information, such as what Omri Rising means and how the guitarist dad played a role in Omri Rising and them having their mascot. So that is a wonderful conversation that you will hear in just a few moments. Before then, I do have to do a few announcements and a few uh, plugs here, so bear with me. First things first, April 9th is right around the corner. It's less than a week away and it's going to be an amazing night. It is the local music revolution podcast one year anniversary now the actual anniversary is on april 6th which just happens to be my birthday as well i know it's narcissistic or you know whatever term you want to use but hey at that year i really needed something to go for and i did and it's a year in and i'm super excited about it So happy birthday to me and happy anniversary to the local music revolution. This show is going to be awesome. It is in my hometown of Tulare, California. It is going to have five bands and I recently found out that they can have extended sets. So you will be seeing more of the great local music I can bring you to Tulare. Doors open at eight o'clock and there will be drink specials, which is going to be amazing as it always is. So we've got Cool Homer Jack, Sexual Steve-O and the Neighborhood Scum, Days Under Authority, Militant Civilian, and Donnie Ogava Massacre will be wrapping up the night. It's going to be a hell of a night, guys. I cannot say that enough because it's just going to be so incredible to have all of these bands and to be able to celebrate a year of being able to promote bands I find worthy which is pretty much everybody i'm not gonna lie if you create music i think you're worthy of being able to be talked to a general congratulations is in order for everybody that has been part of the local music revolution you guys are fantastic also before i get going if you want to send the local music revolution any love or any words of advice or even any suggestions on bands you think would fit on this show you can go to facebook.com slash the local music revolution on twitter at tlmr podcast on instagram at the local music revolution on tumblr at tumblr.com slash the local music revolution and finally the local music revolution dot wordpress.com which brings out all of the news and lets you know when all of the great things are happening with the podcast before anything else if you are wanting to hear our 60 plus episode catalog you can search itunes stitcher or any major podcast catcher all you have to do is go into that search engine and look up the local music revolution the local music revolution will pop up subscribe add rate comment let us know what you think because that really helps the show form into something that fans will enjoy and continue to come back to and listen speaking of coming back i always always come back to my sponsors that is the reason why they are my sponsors i believe in what they do and what they are trying to continue to do for music so 
stringjoy.com my first official sponsor been with me the longest gotta show them love stringjoy.com customizes guitar strings for you what they do is they take all your information what you have in your head what you have what you want to hear what you want to feel and they convert that into a custom set of guitar strings i'm making it sound fancy but the thing is they work with you to get guitar strings that help you play better and that make you feel better about your playing so go to stringjoy.com go check out what they have in order to make you play better to make you sound better and to make the experience better when you're at checkout enter the promo code local that's l-o-c-a-l and you will get a discount for being a listener of the local music revolution and now without any further ado i have nothing else to say guys this is Omri Rising Metal. All right, we're live. All right, I'm here with the guys from Omri Rising. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thank you very much for asking. So, can you tell me who do I have on the line and what do you guys do in the band? Well, uh, I'm the guitarist, David Ramos, and this is uh, Michael McClanahan, the bassist. And you're missing um, Ernesto Zapeta, the drummer, and Joseph Michael, the vocalist. Yep. Okay, okay. So, um, thank you for that. Can you guys tell me how you guys got together, um, the backstory of the band, and uh, what brings us current? Um, was it back in sophomore year? Yeah, sophomore year. Me and David got started. Well, me and David knew each other all since we were kids. It's great. Sixth grade or something like that, and then um, around sophomore year in high school, um, we both wanted to kind of start a band. We knew that we both liked the same kind of music, and I knew that he played guitar. He knew I played bass, mm-hmm. so we just got together one day and started jamming, and uh, we liked where it was going. Mm-hmm. So we just kept, you know, kept looking for band members, and that was the hardest part: being in Fresno, trying to find dedicated members and you know people that yeah. play the same genre as us is really hard. Drummers and singers, it's yeah. hard to find them for example. Singers especially. Yeah. Um, but eventually, yeah, we found um, Ernesto Zapeta about, was it 2010? Yeah. We found him on Craigslist. Craigslist, yeah. Yeah, yeah we found Ernesto on Craigslist. And um, to be honest, yeah, at first he wasn't exactly at the level drumming-wise, but, you know, David saw something in him. Yeah. We gave him a shot, and I'd never met a faster learner than him. Yeah, no clue. The next day, you know, he was just... Had the know, song down. Yeah, yeah, didn't Showed him the first day. He was kind of nervous, you can tell. Um, so that, that might have been a reason why he wasn't playing as great. But the second day, um, had that song down and really impressed me. So we kept it going from there, and he's one of the most dedicated members we have. Very dedicated. And um, nice. with Joseph Michael, um, we had a couple different singers in Fresno. And um, one of them, uh, John Nightdance. We recorded an EP with him. When we went to go into the studio to record Lady Snow, um, he was having problems cutting, you know, the vocal track. So we had a, we we went a couple times and it wasn't working out. So we eventually had to sack him. Um, and then we reached out to a friend of ours on Facebook, Joseph Michael, and he agreed to you know sing on it. And then after that, a year later, we went to go record the album. We asked him if he would be, you know be interested in it and he was and lo and behold here we are and then we got this album right here that's that's actually really cool guys so um so you who wrote lady snow firstly because you said um you have that song in your album and you recorded it with a different singer so um when joseph michael came into the band did he write all new lyrics with the idea or was it already predetermined no, um, all the lyrics were already written. Yeah, and um, that was I written. I wrote those. Or wrote those sorry. <laughs> really? So. Yeah. Wow, that's that's awesome. Um, that was. Um, or go ahead. No, go ahead, man. Um, actually, that was a song that it, we look at like you know twenty, thirty years in the making actually because um, even before we were born, my father, who got me, kind of got me into you know playing bass and got me into metal music in general. Um, he's. You know, always wanted to play bass. Never, you know, was really great at it or anything like that. But Lady Snow was a song that he was a title that he had and always wanted to write about and have a subject, but was just never able to 
get anything to. So growing up, that's a song that I've always heard, and he always had maybe like a line or two from it. And I've always liked, um, you know, liked the way it sounded, liked the topic and all that. So then when I got old enough and, you know, well enough to play, um, you know, we just went from there and wrote it. Lady Snow. Lady Snow, yeah. Just about one man's addiction to, um, you know, certain drugs. Horrible drugs. Wow, wow. That's actually really cool. All right, so um, so you guys get together. We have all your members now. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell me about the writing process? Uh, how did it change when you got everybody in as opposed to uh, before um, Joseph Michael? Well, well, I think it's, you know, the same, you know, me and the bass player, we just, you know, write the music and the lyrics. I'll say the main difference um with having Joseph Michael because he's, you know, a phenomenal singer with such a wide range is that we can write anything and throw around him and he can kind of take it. And before our other singer, he couldn't do that. So we were kind of limited with how we played and how we wrote music. Mm-hmm. So now we kind of have, don't really have too many limits. We just go for it. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. So how does writing a song happen within your band? Um, do you guys come up with riffs individually or do you wait for a practice and you guys just jam and find out what works? Um, yeah, I'd say a lot of the time that it's um, either myself or David, um, you know, come to the house and we have a riff or something that we like and we show him or we show the other person then they go home and add something to it and come back. Um, there, is, there has been a couple cases where we just, you know, start jamming out on a riff and during practice, and oh, it, well, it sounds cool. Yeah, and then and that starts and you know becomes into a song. But most of the time, uh, me or myself or David write the riffs either at our house or wherever, and then show uh, show the others at practice. Yep. And then we kind of all put it all together once we have there. But it starts from a main riff that one of us made. All right, so when you guys are writing, does it change drastically with everybody's input, or are you guys so in tune um, that it pretty much stays the same? Um, I would say early on, it it stayed the same a little bit more. Now that we all are progressing as musicians and all knowing more of our instrument, just we write something and then we go to play it, and then each you know you have three three or four different personalities there, and they all take that song differently so you you have, you have three or four different ways to play it and the best way comes out so i'll tell you a little bit recently yeah it's been changing a little bit awesome so all right so um i'm looking at your band camp and you have three releases um uh 2013 2014 and this release the rising from 2015 so right, right. can you explain how the recording process and the preparation changed within the three releases oh, yeah definitely drastically yeah um the first release that was um we actually recorded that before we even had a singer just because we wanted to get into the studio and get something out there and then after we had the music recorded that's when we found uh john Nightnet. but the whole process of going into the studio the best way i could describe it is um Guys, just going into the studio young and just naive, naive, and just wanting to record and wanting to hear how they sound on tape, and not really listening to the producer too much, and just saying like thinking they know. We went in and just like, to be honest, the producer wasn't really great anyway. Um, he had us do it live, and um, and then I don't know, it just it overall just did not come come out great at all. He didn't, we didn't, he didn't have us play to a click. So there's certain areas that kind of go off time a little bit, and he never went back and fixed it. And just overall, it shouldn't have been released. Yeah. He should have never, you know, let it out of the studio. What he did. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, so that's something that we probably, you know, aren't too aren't too proud. fond of, aren't too proud of. But it's our past. It's, it, you know, you can see, the one the one thing I do like about it is you can see the difference of you know where we were and where we are now. What the difference of you know where we came from. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's, and then um, when we went in to record Lady Snow, we used a totally different studio, different producer um, and everything. We tracked that one place and then we um, sent all the files over to Ralph Patlin to uh, mix and master for the Lady Snow single. And um, you know, we um, in Fresno, we use uh, Peter Wolf, and he's one of the best producers that, you know, in Fresno, in Fresno yeah. Um, By far. He won't release something from his studio unless it sounds 
good. It sounds up to par. Top notch. And that's what the other guy should have done. So that was the that was I'll say a, a real learning experience for all of us, learning how to really play into this in the studio and really mm-hmm. be studio ready. He kind of taught us that a little bit and showed us the ropes. He taught us a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we came in to record uh, the, you know the new album, The Rising, we we were all ready. And that, that kind of went pretty easy. Going by quick, actually. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, um, tell me about The Rising. Um, it's uh, it's called The Rising. Um, sorry, that's obvious, but um, <laughs> no there's, there's nine tracks on there. Um, and I, I really want to know about the cover art. So, can you just go into, like, how the design and how you guys put the, the album together went? All right. Um... Before I would have to, before I can really describe the um, artwork exactly, I'd have to kind of describe the name a little bit because they kind of tie together. Okay. Um, the, yeah, the name Omri Rising um, is something that, to be honest, we, me and David, thought this long and hard. We're not, we can't exactly figure out how we long, thought of it. Crazy, yeah, kind of a big clouded haze. <laughs> but one of us, we were thinking of a band name, and one of us said Omri, and we liked the way that sounded. And Omri Rising, we just liked the way that was. And um, what we made Omri is um, kind of like an Eddie figure, but different as in um, Omri's more of like a Greek god, but not Greek necessarily, but like a mythological figure. He's Omri is the god of heavy metal. Oh, That is what Omri is. So Omri Rising is, you know, the god of heavy metal, and he's bringing heavy metal back. That's Omri Rising. So the the artwork, the rising, is Omri rising and coming back to destroy the world and bring heavy metal back to everybody. Wow. Real heavy metal. <laughs> nice. I like that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> and he's kind of our um, you know, our mascot, so we actually have a little Omri suit and everything that, you know, we have. Yeah, we, go out and just we go out and he walks around with us. He's supposed to be seven, eight feet tall or something like that. Wow. And um, walks around with us, promotes. Um, he's going to be, you know, on all of our album covers. and. So you're doing an Eddie thing? Um, similar to Eddie, yeah, that's probably the best way to describe it, but we're doing it a little bit different our own way. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, so can you guys tell me about the song March of Madness? Yeah, March of Madness? Yeah. Yeah. Um, musically, um, that's a song that uh, I had um, an intro to. Um, actually, the intro is kind of a punky feel almost. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I kind of like the bass line and to me, it sounds like a good song to start with bass, and I like songs to start with bass. So, um, so we went. Um, I showed David and Ernesto, and we started jamming it. And then um, all together, we kind of just put it all together. And then um, lyrically, I, um, I just kind of wrote it about a personal matter, just kind of different, you know, pers- like um, life changes in my life, or personal changes in my life around that time, uh, around March of last year. So I just, you know, March of Madness. You know, crazy stuff, crazy big change, and <laughs> March of Madness seemed like it go together. So that's where all that came from. Yeah, it turned out to be a good, you know, great song. Fun to play. Yeah, very fun to play. One of my favorite. Awesome. So this is March of Madness.
that was march of madness um so if you guys don't mind i'd like to go back a, a little ways you guys talked about having an armory suit um so yeah. can you explain what that is and um how that came to be okay. um all right um first off i gotta say my father um jeff he's a uh, one of the biggest supporters of the band or is the biggest supporter of the band he yeah you know it believes in us 110 percent he pushes us and supports us sponsors us and all that so the armory suit was kind of his idea and um it's something that we all kind of thought of but you know that that can come later when you know once we get a major uh, major contract deal and we have you know some more money coming in but he was like why wait so he went kind of mad for a couple of weeks basically yeah and um just um Start making this suit, and what basically the core of the suit, uh, he's the um, he's the cremate bodies. So he has this, um, it's a neck brace for like yeah. when someone breaks their neck, and they you know kind of like shoulder pads, and it goes up and holds your head, and they drill it into your head. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, he has he's been having that, and he uses it for like Halloween to make like a a prop thing, and um, so he used that as the base. And then he started to get foam around it and a trench coat. Um, pants. Yeah, I put pants on it, cut stuff up. My my dad doesn't know how to sew, but he was so into doing this, he learned how to sew just so he can get it done. <laughs> nice. um, <laughs> it, yeah, he um, cut up like cut up pants, cut up shirts, sewed stuff on it to where it, first, it went through different, many different stages where he came in and tried to show us, and he was all excited and just wanted to show us and. Honestly, it didn't look good. He looked buff. Yeah, he, he looked all buff and lumpy, and it just didn't look right. And we were trying to tell him that, and he was getting mad and frustrated. He was like, "Damn!" But okay, yeah, overall, I would say it helped because yeah. eventually one day he brought it over, and it was it was the suit. It was it. You know, it was ready. Oh, it looks nice now. Yeah, it's now scary. it looks nice. It's scary. We just we went to um, you know, a local swap meet um, today to uh, promote the band and sell the album. And he was walking around the suit, and there's little kids there running from him. It was, yeah. it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> wow. That is yeah. so great. All right. So uh, do you guys have plans of, of having Omri come on stage with you guys? Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah. Big plans with that. Yeah. Um, again, 
going back to the Eddie reference, um, kind of like how Eddie does, kind of to bring the crowd up. You know, if, if there's a moment where it doesn't seem as the energy is not as much, bring out Omri. Bring out Omri. And, <laughs> yeah, the crowd will go wild. And every every time we walk anywhere with him, the promoter, people go crazy for him. So bringing him out at a show, I know yeah. people will go crazy. Uh, do you know, you guys, so, sorry, do you guys sell more albums when he's with you guys? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, it's an attraction. People, it's, um, people come up to it and want to know who it is, what it is and what are we and why are we out here kind of thing. Yeah. That is awesome, guys. That is yeah. so awesome. <laughs> uh, so, um, so your dad, you said he got the idea. Was he influenced by Eddie or did he just... Uh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he was influenced. Yeah, um, he, like I said, growing up in the 80s, he was, you know, growing up in a kid in the 80s and everything like that, or a teenager in the 80s, I should say. Um, those were his favorite bands, Maiden, Priest, Dio, Sabbath. Um, you know, and he loved, Maiden was one of his favorite bands. He loved the artwork, and he loved Eddie. He loved the, the whole concept behind Eddie and how you can market it and how it's its own figure, like its own larger-than-life figure now. Um, and that's what he wanted to try to create. So then once we found a name Omri Rising and told him what it was he loved it and felt and like oh it's so great you can do good name yeah you can do so much with it you can do this you can do that you feel thin yeah <laughs> yeah he loved it but that's a he's a character sometimes yeah he's a funny <laughs> guy I'll tell you that um, so speaking of that, uh, your dad was influenced by the 80s metal. Um, what are you guys influenced by? Did you take that and try to run with it and bring back that, that larger-than-life metal that, that was back then? Um, I'll let David talk about his influence first, and I'll take over. Okay. Well, my influences range, but um, I have to... Um, Dio, he's one of you know, like my main ones. God, yeah. You have a tattoo, and then they're just banned from like, you get from like um, Spain, Magos de Oz. This band, yeah, so, yeah, I love that band, and of course, Maiden. <laughs> and, my, um, and for me, my biggest, my biggest influences are probably same as my dad's. You know, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Dio, Sabbath, Ozzy. Those are like uh, my five yep. top bands. Um, Good bands. I love those bands too. Yeah, those are my most influenced bands, uh, or bands that influence me the most. For my playing, um, I would say my influence for that comes from something I call like (laughs) most Steve Harris. Yeah, but I call like you know the holy trinity of bass players: Steve Harris, Geezer Butler, and Geddy Lee. My whole style kind of crafted around them. Yep. Wow, wow, Geddy Lee in with there? Yeah. Yeah. Gotta have Geddy Lee in there. Amazing basses. Uh, I, I enjoy his bass playing more than his singing. Uh, I've Agreed. always yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah, he's an amazing bass player, but the singing, yeah. uh, I can only handle his singing every once in a while. But <laughs> I do, I really like Rush because Rush influenced me as a drummer. It was Neil Peart's oh, yeah, insane. Neil, yeah, amazing. He's my number one drummer. He's amazing. <laughs> um, so uh. So you said that the Omri is the god of metal, trying to bring back metal. Um, what exactly do you mean by bringing back metal? Um, bringing in the, in the sense as in Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, those type bands, the traditional heavy metal bands. Metal's changed a lot over the years. I'm not saying that's bad or anything like that, but you know the things that influence us most and that we enjoy playing and love the most is traditional heavy metal. Traditional. So that's what, when we say bring back heavy metal, we just mean traditional heavy metal, and bringing it back to how it was in its heyday. Um, because it seems like a lot of bands now, they, you know, they're good, they go out and play, but there's not too much there compared to, you know, like mm-hmm. example. I'm not saying that that's a big influence on us, but Motley Crue, all the, the hype and everything around them. People, they love them. they love them just you know for the hype and the publicity all around them. Ozzy, um, all the hype and everything about them. There's no like the thing, no such thing as bad attention. Unless um, you're on MTV and you sound like a bumbling idiot, and then there's bad attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, we're not a bunch of bumbling idiots. So. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I <laughs> oh, hated, yeah, no, no. I hated the Osbournes just because of that. I saw Ozzy uh, by himself solo, and then um, 
with Sabbath. And on stage, he's not a bumbling idiot trying to figure out a remote. He is like a metal god. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, off stage, I can't understand a word he says. There's a re- there's a reason every time he's on a video getting um, interviewed, there's subtitles. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, real lousy. Yeah, you gotta love him. Yeah, you gotta love him. So, uh, yeah, the the thing is, um, it's funny that you say true metal because if you listen to bands, um, the biggest one that I can think of right now is Trivium. I don't know if you've heard their newest releases. Um, but if you go back, it's got that feel of that big metal, the, the like Iron Maiden Dio kind of feel to it mm-hmm. with the modern twist. Um, yeah. it, it's extremely interesting how they work that, but it, I got that sense of hearing like Dio for the first time and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, um, are, are you trying to make headway kind of like those bands or are you trying to actually bring back that, that specific, uh, dated genre? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, to be honest, we don't necessarily look at it as dated. Um, we just look at it as you know good music to us. <laughs> um, so we're just trying to bring back that traditional '80s metal sound um, with a couple, you know, new twists and everything in there. We're not just ripping off the '80s or nothing like that. We're our, you know, we're our own band, our own music, and all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but with that total traditional heavy metal sound, mm-hmm. we just want to bring that back. Nice. Nice. <clears throat> All right, so can you tell me about the song "House on on Hunt Street"? Uh, okay, <laughs> this is a good story. It's a little scary story. Again, um, going back to my father. Um, when he was a kid, they lived on this house um, on it was a house on Hunt Street. That was the name of the street, and the address was one hundred eight hundred one, and that's why we have that address in the song. Um, and he, my dad was the youngest of three kids and his oldest brother his the oldest was his brother and he played guitar um amazing amazing guitar oh, he's such a good guitar player he's one of those um he was in one of those bands in the 80s that you know just fell through the cracks he just kind of hold a decent lineup and just always changing band and that probably was the death of him but he did a, around that time he did a lot of like a black magic and messing with ouija boards live feathers sit to the board kind of stuff and um, with doing all that, weird paranormal stuff started happening at the house. Um, you know, the, TV, the volume on the TV turned louder um, and then get real quiet. When it gets quiet, my father, you know, who was like eight years old maybe or younger at the time, hears whispering of like, you know, people under the house and stuff. Um, they'd be sitting there and they had a pool table and the balls on the pool table would be flying off the table. Um, and then one day, one time it was around Christmas, the, you know, those little balls that you hang on your Christmas tree, you know, they fall off, they break real easy. They were falling off and not breaking. And it was, they thought it was weird, but not really anything paranormal or anything until it happened a couple of times. And then they were like getting hammers and trying to smash it and they wouldn't break. And it's weird stuff like that. And then probably one of the biggest things is my father um, was in his room as a kid and, uh, you know, we're trying to go to sleep just laying on his stomach and he says he just felt a presence hold him down and tickle the middle of his back and kind of laugh in his ear um, and ever since then if, you, if he gets touch on that area in his back yeah, he, yeah he turns around wanting to hit you he almost hit David a couple times yeah. from, like you know and hey stop. I was like whoa bro calm down yeah so um, he, that, it really affects him to this day and I know a lot of people you know can dispute stuff like that i'm not here to argue that it's real or not but i believe my father and i know when he's telling the truth there'd be lying and i could tell he's telling the truth when he's talking about that especially when he is with his back so hearing all these stories from him my grandma um my aunt and my uncle and you know all these stories about when they were younger and about this house and it always intrigued me and i yeah it, yeah it was just a great story to tell and cool. david always wanted me to tell it anytime oh, we bring you know i had to tell it to her next so anytime we bring new people around they have to hear the story and um so i was like it's such a good story it would make you a damn good song or make a fucking great yeah, song actually, yeah. <laughs> so uh I, we just started writing and then musically it was um pieces of an old song that i had and we just kind of changed it up um i scrapped all those lyrics and i started writing and um yeah I, at, there's a couple points i wanted to add in there like i want to add the address um 108 on one hunt street 
um, a couple things that were in there um, you can hear and you listen to a song and, you, and those are the things that happen at the house so it's just a crazy story and it's a true story yeah crazy good story to tell <laughs> wow wow that's that's an interesting story man that's really yeah. weird alright this is House on Hunt Street <laughs>
All right, that was House on Hunt Street. Uh, so before we get too much further into this, gentlemen, I kind of want to ask you, uh, uh, Michael, sorry. Yeah. Um, you wrote House on Hunt Street, and you've heard the stories, I guess, I'm guess i guessing, all of your life. Do you have yeah. any idea about what was happening at that house? Um, in my in my opinion, I, I agree with what I've been told. I agree that it was, you know, something paranormal and something... I agree. I believe that if, you know when you mess with Ouija boards and stuff like that, kind of like how Deal says, you got to know how to do it if you're going to do that, um, because what you're doing is you're opening a door, and if you don't know what you're doing, then you're not going to like where it takes you, and you're not going to like what you see, and you're going to run out, and you're not going to close that door, and then whatever you see is going to kind of come right through and mess with you, and that's kind of what happened. Um, so you got if you're going to do that, you got to know how to. Um, like I said, you got to know what you're messing with i'm not recommending to do that or anything like that um but be careful yeah that's what i believe happened i believe that his brother um and you know friends and band members and whoever else was doing it over there um messed with something and kind of brought something in and then they had to move they just eventually moved out of the house (laughs) Um, so I was looking at the lyrics during the last break, and uh, one of them that stuck out was "Find the Youngest Son." Uh, was that something that was said during those those weird times, or was that something you put in the lyrics? That's something I just added to the lyrics for the okay. fact that it kind of, um, all the stuff that I that happened in the house. The majority of it seemed like it was kind of targeting my dad, since he was the youngest um, child ah, and the most okay. and the most vulnerable. Okay, that makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> kind of had me worried there for a second, man. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> wow, that's it. It really is a great story. Do you tell it at Halloween? Yeah, I, t- I tell it whenever yeah, we can. But yeah, Halloween is a great time to tell it. Um, some candles. Yeah, I gotta turn all the lights off. Get some candles. Yeah. Get the mood right, right, dude. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Get the mood right. <laughs> Yeah. It just seems to, you know, make the, a scary story even scarier. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah, if they're scared before you even tell it, then you got them. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man, that's, that, I'm sorry, that's such a great story. That's a great <laughs> story behind the song. Um, all right, so moving on, um, you guys have the album uh, that was put out in August, right? August 2015? Yes, uh, August 25th, 2015. Okay, so um, with that being out, what are your plans for the future? Well, shows and stuff, you know. Um, yeah, right now we're, we don't currently have any books or anything like that, but we're all looking for shows, um, trying to find the right one. Mm-hmm. Um, because, in, you know, from experience in the past, most shows and most of you know, the good shows that we get you know, opportunities for, off. Yeah, we got ripped off usually, and the, most of them are in L.A. You said that show, remember? Yeah. Most of them, for one, are in L.A. or over the grapevine, so, you know, that's a long drive and haul and all that gear. Oh, and then yeah. um, one time, you know, you got to deal with shitty promoters, and people are, in this business, everybody's trying to fuck you. Um, I'm sorry, I don't know if I can say that on the air or not, I'm sorry. Yeah, go uh, ahead, man. Say what you got to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's trying to fuck you, basically. So, um, you know, we were told one thing. And we're all happy about it. We go to the show and we get something totally different. The show was terrible. We got a stage that we weren't promised. There was no air conditioning, um, bad transportation for the to get bad load in and unload. Um, actually, lo- we lost our banner and one of my bases got stolen. Wow. Yeah, and we, you know, all the extra money that we put in to get a good stage was all just a lie, basically. So, with dealing with all that, we're just trying to, you know, sit through all the bullshit and find a good show. Um, something that's worth our while and we're not going to get screwed. Something that has some good bands going to be there and you know it's going to have a good turnout. Something good. We're very picky. Yeah, we're a very picky band. We don't just do anything. We like to do things right. We don't just like, we don't like every band and just like to, you know, go and play every week at, you know, your brother's birthday party or... Some backyard bash. Yeah, some backyard bash or... Yeah. Come watch us play in the garage kind of thing. No, we're not that type of band. We try to carry ourselves a lot more professional than that. Good for you guys. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was playing out shows. It was uh, it was pretty pretty horrible. So 
Yeah, that's I mean, th- you get, that's something you got to do when you're young and, to, you know, get pay those dues and you have to start out. But once you I'm, – I'm not saying – I'm not trying to, you know, claim that we're some big, huge banner thing. But once you're at a certain level, you got to kind of draw a line and say that that's – we got to do, you know, get better shows than that. Yeah, you guys think you're worth what you're worth, and you guys have to figure that out, and you have to go for it. I mean, it's really hard to make other people see that, but you guys have to pound that into their heads and make sure that they know. So I yeah, exactly. Understand. You got to put in the you know you got to put in the work and the footwork, and you actually got to go out there and promote. And that's something that no bands do. I don't ever see any bands really out there out there in the street. In the, actually in the street, it's all social media and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that crap. Um, I mean, that's good and everything. It, it helps, but you got to also go out there and put in the footwork and be on the streets and be face-to-face yeah, face face with your fans. Shake, the, shake their hand and tell them who you are eye-to-eye. That's a lot better than a Facebook message. Hand out free CDs. Yeah, no kidding. That's It's a lost art, man. We did that back in the day. And... Uh, that was some of the most fun times we had was just promoting and, and just hanging out and joking around and meeting new people. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's fun. What, what, why don't bands do that? You drive around with your bandmates listening to great tunes. Like you're just talking, joking, meeting new people. I mean, it's great. I don't understand why people don't do it more. Uh, it's, it's a tragedy. It's a lost art, man. It really is. It is, yeah. Like back in the 80s, I mean, I know I, I'm born in 92. I'm not I'm talking before my generation here. But <laughs> in the 80s, people like, you no, know, people posted flyers like crazy. You couldn't go down the street without stepping on one or seeing one. They were all over the streets. Now you're lucky to see a band flyer when you go out. If you go on Facebook, you got, you know, tons of them. Invite, 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 invite. Yeah. My Facebook invitations full of that. Yeah, I know. And, uh, some of them are so far out of town that you can't even make it. You're like, yeah. Exactly, yeah. That, that's what's nice about the social media thing. You have friends from everywhere. Yeah, you attract a lot of people. And, yeah, you just invite everybody, and half the people aren't even in your area. Yeah. And they're not going to they're not gonna drive five, six hours or out of state to see someone that, you know, they don't really know too much. Yeah, man. I It's it's a broken, broken system. And, uh it hopefully, really is. Yeah. Hopefully it gets fixed sometime soon, but you never know, man. It's a tragedy. It really is. All right, we so need, I'm sorry. Go ahead. We just need the right person to hear us. That's all we're waiting for. Exactly. That's what I keep telling everybody about me, too. <laughs> you just can't give up. You got to be persistent. Can't give up. Got to keep trying. Mm-hmm. All right, gentlemen. So, um, we're, we're going to be wrapping up here pretty soon. So, um, I want to give you some time. If there's anything that you wanted to talk about, Lady Snow, um, yeah, just uh, is there any more backstory to that song? I know that you guys wanted to, to say a few more things, so go ahead. Um, yeah, I, I went over it briefly already. Um, but, yeah, mostly, like I said, it's basically about one man's addiction to, uh, I will also say, you know, cocaine, you know, a bad drug that can that's very addictive and, it can ruin it can ruin your life if you let it and most people do let it because they can't control it so that you know that's what the song's about there's been a lot of people that we you know we lost you know a lot of great rock stars a lot of great people in general that we lost to cocaine um so i just wrote that about a person one man's addiction to this drug and how it takes everything away and that that's your life is lady snow <laughs> takes you away all right well this is Lady Snow. Thank you. 
lady snow all right gentlemen it's it's gonna be the end of the interview so how can people find your album how can they get a hold of you and tell you how awesome you guys are um <laughs> uh, to get a hold of us you can find us on facebook uh you know the links www.facebook.com backslash army rising um and on there you can you can pretty much find every link to any of our sites um reverb nation band camp band camp is where they can purchase the album um, you can buy it digitally, or you can buy a physical copy. Um, and hell, if you want to, you know, we can even sign it for you if you want. Just awesome. send a little message. Send a little message in the when you buy it, and we'll sign it for you before we send it off. Um, but yeah, Bandcamp is where they can purchase the album from. Um, you can buy sh- shirts there too. We have we have uh, two different designs. We have just the uh, standard Army Rising logo shirt, and then the, the Lady, Lady Snow logo. Yeah, the Lady Snow one. Um, both in the back have Join the Rising. With our uh, logo, kind of, which is basically looks like the you know the heavy metal horns, uh-huh. but you know our own little take on it. Um, and our, our guitarist David right here drew it, <laughs> wrote and drew that up. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, so it's our own little you know logo for the band, and that's on the back. Um, so we have two shirts, and then all three of the CDs are available on the Bandcamp, and you can you know listen to uh, the, our songs on um, YouTube as well. Okay, awesome. Um, is there any other social media you guys are on? Um, Instagram, Instagram, yeah, Instagram yeah. Um, Twitter. Um, all right, yeah, hold on. Let me hit them all again one more time. Facebook, Reverb Nation, YouTube, Bandcamp, Band Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I think I think that's all of them right there. Um, what am okay. I? No, no, no. Yeah, that's what, yeah, they come back. Yeah. 
All right, gentlemen. So thank you very much for being on this show. I really appreciate your time and, and you being here. It's been great talking to you and getting to know the band and everything. So um, well, thank you. It's great, great talking to you. Yeah, man. Likewise. Thank you. All right, gentlemen. You have a good night. I will be talking to you guys very soon, all right? All right. Uh, good night, man. Good night. That was Omri Rising. Yes, very metal. Really enjoyable music. I had a great time talking to these guys. It was really fun being able to talk metal with them. But also, it was a great interview to be had by all. One more thing before we go. Dirtbag Block of Rock. Here, now, let's do this. Good roll program confirmed. Go and throttle up. You are now listening to the Dirtbag Block of Rock. Welcome back to the Dirtbag Block of Rock. we got Mr. Damian Baker on the phone right now from the band The Everyday Losers based out of Indiana. Damian, say hello to everybody. Hey, guys. How you doing? We are doing outstanding. Tell us about The Everyday Losers. We're a band from southern Indiana. Um, we're doing a lot of cool things right now. We're finishing our album right now, our second full length. Got a lot of stuff in the works. You guys kind of got a punk vibe going on, right? A little bit. I'd say since I got in the band, and probably a year before I got in the band, actually, it's really changed into just your your harder rock stuff. Before I was in the band, it was definitely, I would say there's a lot of punk influence, but I think we've evolved since changing drummers. I think that kind of helped a lot. How have you guys evolved since you got in the band? I know personally for me, just as a player, playing with those three guys has helped me so much. You just have to stay tuned and listen to it. That sounds good. Sounds like you guys enjoy what you do, man. Uh, I see that you guys are from Washington, Indiana. So what cities do you guys normally play in? You guys tour around the Midwest, any? Yeah, man. I mean, we've, we have literally been everywhere except for like Hawaii, Alaska, Washington State, Florida, and California. And I think we've dodged Arkansas, something like that. Like, we went everywhere, but that just happened to be the one state we always drive around. We've been all up the East Coast this summer. If every plan that we have goes through, then uh, we'll definitely hit up the West Coast for sure. Tell us about the road, man. I got really lucky because I didn't have to go through all that developmental stage where you lose game members and things like that. I just happened upon coming in and being very lucky because they already had an established sound. So I got to come in and just kind of lay down what I thought would sound good with them. As far as being on the road, it really helps me have four best friends in a van. You know, it doesn't help with two brothers, but you know, you understand. Four, so, four best it, friends that anyone could ever have. Right. <laughs> for sure, man. Hey, uh, Thank you very much for your time, Damien. Uh, we appreciate your time. You got the floor, my friend. Anything you'd like to say? Yeah, man. I look forward to our, our new album. Definitely check out our Facebook. Just Facebook at the Everyday Losers. And uh, give us a like. Check us out. And hope you like what you hear. That was Damien Baker from the band The Everyday Losers. This is their latest single, You've Got War, right here on the Dirtbag Block of Rock.
more music from the everyday losers and other Dirtbag sponsored artists, visit Dirtbag.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Dirtbag Clothing 1996. The Dirtbag Block of Rock is brought to you by Dirtbag Clothing, sponsored by Pair Booking. So that was the show for today. Thank you very much for listening. You guys have been amazing. Remember, it's one year here on Saturday, April 9th. It's going to be amazing. On next week's episode, there will be coverage from the show. I've been planning it for a while, and I even bought new equipment for the podcast for this specific reason. Next week's episode will be interviews from every musician that I can get onto the show at the local music revolution one year anniversary show it's going to be amazing we're going to have lots of fun and even if there are some alumni i'm going to try to get them on the show as well because it wouldn't be the show without everybody involved and i want everybody that i can to be part of this because it is such a major deal to me thank you so much for listening as always this is local music revolution I am Ogre. You are awesome. Take care and be good, everyone. The local this music is revolution. The local music this revolution. Local music 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 revolution.